Are you Jesus-centered or world-centered? It is that simple. And I know, I know, if you're like me, you're thinking of the movie The Notebook, it's not that simple. But guys, this is that simple. Jesus tells us that we are to have him at the center of everything that we do, everything we say, how we act, how we love. And when we choose to have Jesus at the center of every area of our life, there is this aroma that follows us everywhere we go. And it's reflecting this glorious light of Jesus. We're going to dive deep to understand what it's like to live a Jesus-centered life as a woman for Christ. This is the Jesus at the Sinners podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Centers. Let's get real. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the Jesus at the Sinners podcast. I am your host, Courtney Sinners, and I'm so glad that you are tuning in today. Excuse my voice, it might sound a little crazy. Uh, I just got over a cold, so bear with me. But we are diving in this week um, in Proverbs 31 again. But before we do that, we start every episode off with just surrendering everything back to the Lord, everything that he has entrusted to us, that he has gifted us. We're just going to surrender that back to him. Our finances, our marriages, our relationships, our children, our jobs, our desires, everything and anything that God has given us, we are going to surrender that back to him and just pause um, and just thank him for who he is and praise him. Lord, thank you so much again for who you are and everything that you've done for us and in us, God, and through us, and that you continue to do. We just give it all back to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, ladies, we are back this week. We are diving in Proverbs 31, 19 through 25. And we're really going to talk about um, surrender, um, you know, sacrifice, what this really looks like in women as we are Christ's daughters, uh, that, that just the way that he's called us to, to live out. So verse 19 says, she puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. So if you're not familiar with a distaff, um, it is the distaff and the spindle work hand in hand together. They were tools that women then would use to make her family or their family linen to wear. Linen was a high quality product that she uh, or, you know, women then would make for their families, but also would use to make profits. So They made this uh, product, basically, that their family, um, you know, would wear. And then it was in hopes that it would be profitable. And so, again, with that in mind, um, that was to be able to provide for her family as well. 
Now, we saw this in previous verses also that she was looking for profitable items. So linen, as I mentioned before, was a humble fabric, um, but it was highly wanted. It was it was on high demand because it was because of its healing properties um, and its quality. So it's a very earthy fabric made of flax fibers, and the way that it works. Um, is, and this is like the healing properties of linen, it's actually very fascinating, um, the quality of linen that it is. Now, today, you'll see linen products, and they have a higher price tag, but then in this time period, linen, um, it, it, it was considered a humble fabric. It was uh, considered, you know, something that wasn't, um, you know, a high dollar but it had a high quality. So the way that it works as far as its healing properties go, um, it suppresses the pathogenic microflora and bacteria while also repelling dirt. So linen is known as one of the cleanest fabrics as it contains both antiseptic and antibacterial properties, which is so incredible. Like, it's so crazy, right? And it's really because it's made from, like, the flax fibers. It's, it's an earthy fabric, like I mentioned before. So we see that she was not uh, creating, you know, crappy clothes for her family. She wasn't creating, um, like, a low-quality product for her family. She was creating something that was of high quality. It had healing properties on top of that. And it was highly demanded. So she put a lot in to creating linen with this spindle and a staff. Verse 20 says, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. So again, we see her clothing um, that she's wearing and the clothing that she has made for her family is this luxurious and warm clothing. They are very well taken care of. You know, she is making sure that her family has what they need. And we notice that the colors that are mentioned here are scarlet and purple. Scarlet represents the blood of Christ. In purple, we know that Jesus wore a purple robe before his crucifixion, right? And so this color represents royalty and wealth. So we see that the clothing she had for her family wasn't rags. Now, the takeaway here is the quality of the work and the willingness that she had to do what God made her to do to provide for her family, And I really believe that it was the posture of her heart, that excellence that Proverbs 31 talks about in, um, you know, in nurturing her family's needs. And so in that, with those two colors, I really want you to take a step back and think about, so first she's created linen for her family. And we've seen that it is a high quality, high demand fabric. Okay. And no, try not to focus so much on the fact that it was a luxurious fabric, but the fact that she put something that was of high quality um, 
you know, at the top of the priority for her family, okay? So think of the posture of heart here. But we're looking at the the colors, the scarlet and the purple, and we see that scarlet represents the blood of Christ, and we know that purple represents royalty and wealth. And when we put something as so humble, uh, the sacrificial representation of that color, scarlet, and this high-quality royalty representation of the color purple, and we put those together in the same verse, um, describing the clothing, we see that there is this humble heart and this richness that kind of marry together in this product, basically, that she has created for her family. And what a beautiful picture of what God feels and and views as his daughters, right? And we have been called to do the same for our families. Then we go to verse 23. It says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments, again that word, and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. This verse, these three verses, speak so much volume. But before I get into that, I want to read this commentary um, from Logos Bibles really quick. Chapter 31, verse 23 says, City gates were the social and economic hub of the city. The elders were the leaders responsible for legal rulings. And we can, we can see some more of that in, in the book of Ruth. Um, but the husband of the excellent wife was known and respected among the leaders of the town. Job describes how he was respected by all at the city gate before his suffering. Verse 25, while the excellent wife produces clothing from fine linen... She is better known for her character. So again, here we see the posture of her heart because of who she was, the way she lived was God honoring. She was respected and she was cherished. And because of her character, again, we see that posture of heart at which she's creating the linen for her family from. Again, it's not the luxurious Um, detail that we need to pay attention to but yet the posture of her heart that she is creating something so of high quality for those that she has been entrusted to she was called for such a time as this and it says she laughs at the time to come she is excited about the time to come it brings her joy the time to come is not something she is worried about And so, friends, I just see this as an opportunity as God's daughters to take a moment and to cherish the time to come, to pour our hearts into what we've been called to right now, to take that posture of heart that we've been called to and pour it outward into our family and create those things for our family, take care and nurture the ones that we've been entrusted to around us. Even if you don't have children or a spouse, there's people around in your life that you have been entrusted to. And we are called to steward 
those relationships in a way that is God-honoring, yet humble and sacrificial, but also of high quality and richness. So I want you to think about this. In modern day application, how could we practically model the Proverbs 31 woman to those around us in a way that people get the aroma of Jesus? And then how does that draw us closer to God? I want you to think about those two questions this week, friend, as you sit and um, spend time with the Lord. Ask him to reveal those practical ways to model uh, the woman that is in Proverbs 31 so that we can um, reflect him in the way that he designed us as women to do so. Hey, sis, you are a daughter of the king. You are a child of God. You are his delight. You are a masterpiece of his creation. You are a beautiful piece of artwork to him. You have a voice, you have a calling, you have a purpose, and you belong to him. And when we live as his daughters, as we are called, those around us get to see Jesus. Jesus.